Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. This is part of the Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be getting into Chapter 5 of The Gift of Tongues by Ogden Kraut. We'll be reading pages 31 to 38. The reader program will take about 19 minutes. And then we'll get into the reading and commentary. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. Fundamentally Mormon goes live Monday through Friday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. And I will take phone calls during the recorded portion of the program off the air. So I'll just bring you into the screening room if you have any questions or comments. After the recorded portion of the radio program, we'll be live for any live questions or comments. Thank you for listening. Speaking to Mormons, chapter 5 of the Gift of Tongues, pages 31 to 38 in some modern Pentecostal churches the mumbling or speaking in some unknown tongue is their claim to having the Holy Ghost. In the Catholic Church the priest speaks Latin, which is supposed to be evidence of using tongues in the church. But the real object of talking in a foreign tongue is to speak to the understanding of people of another nationality. The prophet Joseph said, Tongues were given for the purpose of preaching among those whose language is not understood, as on the day of Pentecost, etc., and it is not necessary for tongues to be taught at the church particularly, for any man that is the Holy Ghost, can speak of the things of God in his own tongue as well as to speak in another. For faith comes not by signs, but by the hearing the word of God. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith the gift of tongues is not expressly given for signs or qualifications, but rather to help the servants of God convey an important message to foreigners. Person Pratt elaborates, The benefit of this miraculous sign is obvious to everyone. If a servant of God were under the necessity of acquiring in the ordinary way a knowledge of languages, a large portion of his time would be unprofitably occupied. While he was spending years to learn the language of a people sufficiently accurately to preach the glad tidings of salvation unto them, thousands would be perishing for the want of the knowledge. 
if he could be endowed immediately by the power of the Holy Ghost to speak in any language necessary, how much laborious study would be avoided? How much time would be saved that could be occupied more usefully in the spread of the gospel? How much more accurately would principles be expressed, when, not only ideas, but the language itself is given by the Holy Ghost? How vastly superior is God's plan of qualifying his servants to preach in different languages and tongues, to the plans adopted by modern divines? The servant of God is qualified in a moment, as it were, to preach by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the language of any people to whom he may be sent. While modern divines will throw away years in acquiring the knowledge of a language, and when they have acquired it, they cannot preach in it by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, but are still dependent upon their own learning and wisdom. In one day the unlearned fishermen of Galilee acquired a more extensive qualification for preaching in the different languages of the earth, than all the various grades and ranks of clergymen who have disgraced the name of Christianity on the Eastern Hemisphere for the last 17 centuries. The gift of tongues was not confined to the ministers of Christ alone, but it was bestowed liberally upon the private members of the church. Indeed, it was one of the signs promised to believers throughout all the world. For a true servant of the Lord, the gift of tongues requires faith and the Spirit of God. The more diligent, humble, and faithful that servant becomes, the more qualified he is to receive that and other spiritual gifts. Person Pratt explained, This gift, like all other gifts of the Spirit, is obtained by faith. When a servant of God is called to go to a foreign nation, he is not only to exercise faith enough to perform the journey, but when he arrives he is also to exercise faith to speak in a foreign tongue. Without faith and exertion, he could not properly obtain the gifts of preaching, by the power of the Holy Ghost, even in his own tongue. Much less, without mighty faith and great exertion or works could he expect to speak by the inspiration of the Comforter in a foreign language. The Prophet Joseph Smith once saw Brigham Young in a vision talking to the Indians in their own tongue. This was literally fulfilled when the saints came west and made settlements throughout the southern parts of Utah. Brigham Young's gift of tongues may have saved many Indian uprisings, and perhaps much bloodshed, as described in the following letter, Brigham Young and the Gift of Tongues. Editor, Improvement Era, Salt Lake City, Utah. Dear Sir, I am writing to you in relation to an incident that happened in the life of President Brigham Young, in the early settlement of Utah, and of which I find no mention in church history. Along about 1890, Jesse W. Fox, Sr., who was in early days the principal surveyor of U.S. settlements, both north and south, accompanied President Young on his trips and laid out the principal towns of our state. Brother Fox related to me about the time above mentioned, that he had heard President Young on two or three occasions talk to the Indians in their own tongue. The Indians were at different times quite opposed to the Mormons settling southern Utah. President Young often said, it is better to feed the Indians, than to fight them. 
and in order to carry out this policy a number of talks were had with the Indian chiefs. Were had with the Indian chiefs. It was in these talks that President Young had that gift of tongues made manifest. The conversations I had with Jesse W. Fox were at the old county courthouse, corner 2nd South and 1st West. At that time I was county collector for Salt Lake County. Brother Fox often came in my office and related to me many incidents of the early settlement of Utah. Some 10 or 12 years ago these conversations were brought forcibly to my mind while reading the church history by Roberts. In volume 2, page 381, I find the following, the prophet Joseph Smith says, I saw Brigham Young standing in a strange land in the far south and west in a desert place in the midst of about a dozen men of color who appeared angry. Brother Young spoke to them in their own tongue. In reading this vision of the prophet, the incidents of our early history, as related to me by Brother Fox, were brought to my mind quite forcibly. Also, Jesse W. Fox, Jr. stated to me when I asked him if he had ever heard his father mention hearing of Brigham Young talking tongues to the Indians, that he had heard his father mention that he had on several occasions. About a year ago I got in conversation with an old-timer who was in the southern part of our state in 1870 as a missionary. This man was Khalid D. Brinton, now in his 84th year. He was at the town of Canaan. After talking with Elder Brinton about Indian affairs at that time, and finding that he was quite well posted, I obtained the following affidavit from him, of which this is a copy. September 15th, 1932, Salt Lake City. To whom it may concern, this is to certify that the undersigned, in connection with Jacob, Hamblin and Amantenny, were located at Kanab, Utah, as missionaries, and President Brigham Young, in connection with Jesse W. Fox, Sr., visited the town. Blackhawk, an Indian chief, also some other chiefs were camped near there. Blackhawk and his followers had been on that warpath for some time, and President Young was desirous of meeting him with a view of coming to some understanding as to peaceful settling of the south part of the state. Jacob Hamblin, an Indian interpreter, was with a party, and while they were trying to parley with the chiefs, President Young commenced to talk to them in their own tongue, and continued to do so for a period of time estimated by me to be 20 or 30 minutes. This incident was quite a surprise to all of us, as we knew that President Young did not know their language. At the beginning of this talk, the Indians manifested considerable anger. However, at the conclusion of this parley, the Indians seemed to be appeased. For shortly after this incident, the Black Hole War, as it was termed, ended. Witness. Olgi Hardy Khalid D. Brinton resident. No. Five, Bodelats. 155 North Main Street, Salt Lake City, Utah. The foregoing narration seems to me to be of sufficient interest to publish as a faith-promoting incident, 
as it verifies the vision the prophet Joseph Smith had in relation to that gift of tongues being used by Brigham Young to appease the anger of men of color, the Indians, in the far south and west. This vision was given to the prophet in Kirtland, Ohio. Kanab would correspond to the place described. Yours truly, O.G. Hardy 1984 South 7th East Salt Lake City, Utah, promises regarding the gift of tongues are made throughout the scriptures. It is an evidence of the gifts and powers of the Spirit of God, and when the people of the church live so as to qualify themselves to receive the Holy Spirit, then those gifts will accompany them. In 1900 H. Lund said, these gifts which the book mentioned should be found in the church. My testimony to you is that they are found in the church. Talking in tongues has been very common in the church. Nearly all the members have at some time or another heard this gift, as well as the interpretation of tongues. Some may say, but how can we judge whether this is a true tongue or not? You can judge by the Holy Spirit whether it is prompted by that Spirit or not. There have been times when the proof of the tongue spoken has been overwhelming. When President Peterson of the Sandpit Stake was a young man who attended the meeting in Illinois. There were many present, and the Spirit of the Lord was poured out upon the saints in a great measure. He felt urged by the Spirit to talk in tongues. When he sat down a young girl arose and interpreted it. She was but 17 years of age, perhaps younger, and she interpreted what Brother Peterson had spoken. Some of the brethren there, in good standing but who afterwards left the church, were told that if they did not take heed they would apostatize, and that the balance of the branch should emigrate to the west and travel in wagons like houses, across large plains. This was the interpretation of the tongue. They did not then know that there would come a time when they should travel in covered wagons and go to the west. But a remarkable thing happened at that meeting. Two young girls that had been stolen while children by the Indians and had been brought back by the government were present. They heard Brother Peterson speak in tongues and they declared that he spoke in an Indian tongue, which they had heard before, and they understood most of it, though they said he spoke it better than they ever heard the chief speak it, and the young girl, they said, had translated what they understood correctly. This is a great testimony of the truth of that gift, and many other instances could be mentioned, showing that this gift is in the church. The gift of prophecy we know is in the church. How many of the prophecies of our beloved prophet Joseph Smith have not been fulfilled to the very letter? You take the book of Doctrine and Covenants, and you will find there many prophecies that have been fulfilled already, and many relating to time yet to come, which we believe will be fulfilled just as literally as have those that have already been fulfilled. Let me read a few words of the revelation given March, 1831 some 11 months after the church was organized. In talking about what should come to pass, the Lord revealed to Joseph, but before the great day of the Lord shall come, Jacob shall flourish in the wilderness, and the Lamanite shall blossom as the rose.
vine shall flourish upon the hills and rejoice upon the mountains, and shall be assembled together unto the place which I have appointed. This was many years before the Latter-day Saints were driven from the states, and it talks in such plain terms concerning the gathering. The gathering is a unique principle in this church, one that is not found in other churches. It is referred to in the Book of Mormon, and in the early revelations to the church it is given to the people in great plainness. We are told in some of the revelations that the people should be gathered from all nations unto this land, which should be the land of Zion. When we now read about this, it may not seem so remarkable. But let us put ourselves back to the time when the church numbered but a few members and was hardly known outside of a few counties. And remember that then the Lord told the prophet that the work should be known in other lands and that the people should be gathered from all nations. And it becomes, indeed, marvelous unto us. Gradually our missionaries are reaching the different nations of the earth, if not yet from every nation. Our missionaries are going in faith proclaiming the truth. They are reaching one people after another. Nearly every nation in Europe has had the gospel offered to them. I was reading a letter last night which Brother Hinsey had received from Athens, Greece, a country where we have not yet done much missionary labor. Brother Hinsey went there and preached the gospel and the seed zone is germinating and they want to be informed concerning the truth. Certain principles have struck them as true, others they do not understand yet. In the Donai principalities we have a man laboring, who has already baptized several persons, and it will not be long before it can be said that all nations in Europe have been informed concerning the gospel. And the myriads in Asia and Africa will yet have to hear the gospel. The Lord is in his marvelous way preparing a way for the gospel to be taught to men. I rejoice in contemplating the dealings of the Lord with this work of His, and my testimony too is that God has established this work, and that He will see that it shall triumph in the earth. God bless you all. Amen. When God wishes to convey a message to a people with a different language, He gives His servants the power to convey that information without wasting their time in language schools. God calls the division of languages so he can cause them to be amended as well. God bestowed over a particular spiritual gift to his chosen people as predicated upon the mission or work that needs to be accomplished at the time. Chapter 6 Restoration of the Gift Of the Gift Okay, so... That was chapter 5 of the Gift of Tongues. Speaking to foreigners. Now we'll just get right into the reading. <coughs> Excuse me, I've been trying not to cough the whole time that thing's been gone. Alright, let's see here. Speaking to foreigners, chapter 5 of the Gift of Tongues. Pages 31 to 38. In some modern Pentecostal churches, the mumbling or speaking
speaking in some unknown tongue is their claim to having the Holy Ghost. In the Catholic Church, the priests speak Latin, which is supposed to be evident of using tongues in church. But the real object of talking in a foreign tongue is to speak to the understanding of people of another nationality. So, the uh, the U.S. state government and all of these different departments like to send people to uh, the Missionary Training Center because they teach the language of of the different nations of the world uh, so that the missionaries can go from here in the United States or wherever the missionary training centers are, but I'm talking about the one in Provo, Utah, uh, out to the world. And the, the missionaries, you know, they might struggle a little bit, but they don't struggle the way, like, secular language training programs struggle to teach their people how to speak different languages. And they want to know how the LDS Church is able to teach languages so quickly to the prospective missionaries that are basically being pulled out of English-speaking countries and going into other uh, countries that speak other languages so quickly. So uh, it's part, you know, that's part of the gift of tongues. But the State Department, you know, they think that there's some magical way that, you know, they're able to achieve uh, teaching the students the method of whatever so that they can use it and, you know, for their agents and stuff. And uh, it's just part of the gift of tongues. Anyway, the Prophet Joseph Smith said, quote, Tongues were given for the purpose of preaching among those whose language is not understood as on the day of Pentecost, or Shavuot. I I don't know where they get Pentecost from. I know Penta is five. I have no idea. Anyway, um, actually, maybe I can look up the definition real quick. A Christian festival celebrating the descent of the Holy Spirit on the disciples of Jesus after his ascension held on the seventh Sunday after Easter. The the day on which Pentecost is held also called Whit Sunday. And number two, it's a Jewish festival called Shavuot or Shavuot. Old English Pentecostin via Ecclesiastical Latin from Greek Pentecoste or Hermenia or something like that. The the 50th day. Oh, that makes sense. Because the Jewish festival is held on the 50th day after the second day of Passover. Which, by the way, Passover and Easter are not the same day. I know that the... uh, the LDS Church and the Christian churches, the apostate Christian churches will teach that. That Easter is... It, it's not. Easter is a pagan holiday. Passover has nothing to do with Easter. And uh, the King James translators used, uh, used Easter as Passover or whatever, it's not the same. 
they don't fall on the same days. And, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. All right. And it is not necessary for tongues to be taught to the church particularly, for any man that has the Holy Ghost can speak of the things of God in his own tongue as well as as to speak in another tongue. For faith comes not by signs, but by the hearing of the word of God. Teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 149. The gift of tongues is not expressly given for signs or qualifications, but rather to help the servants of God convey an important message to foreigners. Orson Pratt elaborated, quote, The benefit of this miraculous sign is obvious to everyone. If a servant of God were under the necessity of acquiring in the ordinary way a knowledge of languages, a large portion of his time would, would be unprofitably occupied. While he was spending years to learn the language of a people sufficiently accurate to preach the glad tidings of salvation unto them, thousands would be perishing for the want of knowledge. If he could be endowed immediately by the power of the Holy Ghost to speak in any language necessary, how much laborious study would be avoided? How much time could be saved that could be occupied more usefully in the spread of the gospel? How much more accurately would principles be expressed when not only ideas, but the language itself is given by the Holy Ghost? How vastly superior is God's plan of qualifying his servants to preach in different languages and tongues to the plans adopted by modern divines. The servant of God is qualified in a moment, as it were, to preach by the inspiration of the, the Holy Spirit in the language of any people to whom he may be sent, while modern divines will throw away years in acquiring the knowledge of a language and when they have acquired it, they cannot preach in it by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, but are still dependent upon their own learning and wisdom. In one day, the unlearned fishermen of Galilee acquired a more extensive qualification for preaching in the different languages of the earth than all the various grades and ranks of clergymen who have disgraced the name of Christianity on the Eastern Hemisphere for the last 17th century. century. The gift of tongues was not confined to the ministers of Christ alone, but it was bestowed liberally upon the private members of the church. Indeed, it it was one of the signs promised to believers throughout the world. And quote Orson Pratt's works, page 84. For a true servant of the Lord, the gift of tongues requires faith in the Spirit of God. The more diligent, humble, and faithful that that servant becomes, the more qualified he is to receive that and other spiritual gifts. Orson Pratt explained, quote, This gift, like all other gifts of the Spirit, is obtained by faith. When a servant of God is called to go to a foreign nation, He is not only to exercise faith enough to perform the journey, but when he arrives, he is also to exercise faith to speak in a foreign tongue. Without faith and exertion, 
he could not properly obtain the gift of preaching by the power of the Holy Ghost, even in his own tongue, much less without mighty faith and great exertion or work, could he expect to speak by the inspiration of the Comforter in a foreign language. Millennial Star, Volume 28, page 516. The Prophet Joseph Smith once saw Brigham Young in a vision talking to the Indians in their own tongue. This was literally fulfilled when the saints came west and made settlements throughout the southern parts of Utah. Brigham Young's gift of tongues may have saved many Indian uprisings and perhaps much bloodshed as described in the following letter, quote, Brigham Young and the Gift of Tongues, Editor, Improvement Era, Salt Lake City, Utah. Dear Sir, I am writing to you in relation to an incident that happened in the life of President Brigham Young in the early settlement of Utah, and of which I find no mention in church history. Along about 1890, Jesse W. Fox Sr., who was in the early days the principal surveyor of Utah settlements, both north and south, accompanied Brigham Young, or President Young, on his trip and laid out the principal towns of our state. Brother Fox related to me about the time above mentioned that he had heard President Young on two or three occasions talk to the Indians in their own tongue. The Indians were at different times quite opposed to the Mormons settling southern Utah. President Young often said, it is better to feed the Indians than to fight them. In order to carry out this policy, a number of talks were had with the Indian chiefs. It was in these talks that President Young had the gift of tongues manifest. Hold on here. Huh. I have it in airplane mode, and my phone is still trying to uh, call. Hold on here. Okay, I just had to take a call from my wife, so I'm back. Anyway, let's get on with this reading. In order to carry out this policy, a number of talks were had with the Indian chiefs. It was in these talks that President Young had the gift of tongues made manifest. The conversation I had with Jesse W. Fox were at the old country courthouse, corner of 2nd South and 1st West, at the time I was county collector for Salt Lake County. Brother Fox often, often uh, came in my office and related to me many incidents of early settlements in Utah. Some tw- Ten or twelve years ago, these conversations were brought forcibly to to my mind while reading The Church History by Roberts in Volume 2, page 381. I find the following. The prophet Joseph Smith says, I saw Brigham Young standing in a strange land in the far south and west in a desert place in the midst of about a dozen men of color who appeared to be angry. Brother Young spoke to them in their own tongue. In reading this vision of the prophet, the incident of our early history, as related to me by Brother Fox, were brought to my mind quite forcibly. Also, Jesse 
W. Fox Jr. stating to me when I asked him if he had ever heard his father mention hearing Brigham Young talk in tongues to the Indians that he had heard his father mention that he had on several occasions. About a year ago, I got in conversation with an old-timer who was in the southern part of our state in 1870 as a missionary. This man was Caleb D. Brinkton, who is now in his 84th year. He was at the town of Kanab after talking with Elder Brinton about Indian affairs at that time and finding that he was quite well posted. I obtained the following affidavit from him, of which this is a copy. September 15, 1932, Salt Lake City, Utah, to whom it may concern. This is to certify that the undersigned, in connection with Jacob Hamblin and Ammon Tenney, were located at Kanab, Utah, as missionaries when President Brigham Young, in connection with Jesse W. Fox Sr., visited the town. Blackhawk, an Indian chief, also some other chiefs were camped near there. Blackhawk and his followers had been on the warpath for some time, and President Young was desirous of meeting him with a view of coming to some understanding as to peaceful, settle, peaceful settling of the southern part of the state. Jacob Hamblin, an Indian interpreter, was with the party, and while they were trying to parley with the chiefs, President Young commenced to talk to them in their own tongue and continued to do so for a period of, of time estimated by me to be 20 or 30 minutes. This incident was quite a surprise to all of us as we knew that President Young did not know their language. At the beginning of this talk, the Indians manifest considerable anger. However, at the conclusion of this parlay, the Indians seemed to be appeased, for shortly after this incident, the Black Hawk War, as it was termed, ended. Witness, L.G. Hardy, Caleb D. Brinton, resident, number five, Bodell, um, APTS, I think that's apartments, 155 North Main Street, Salt Lake City, Utah. The foregoing, foregoing narration seems to be of sufficient interest to publish as a faith-promoting incident as it, as it varies, verifies the vision of the Prophet Joseph Smith in relation to the gift of tongues being used by Brigham Young to appease the anger of men of color, the Indians, in the far south and west. This vision was given to the prophet at Kirtland, Ohio. Kanab would correspond to the place described. Yours truly, L.G. Hardy, 1984 South, 7th, 7th East, Salt Lake City, Utah. And that's recorded in the Improvement Era, Volume 37, page 432. 432. Promises regarding the gift of tongues are made throughout the scriptures. It is evident of the gift and powers of the Spirit of God, and when the people of the church live so as to qualify themselves to receive the Holy Spirit, then those gifts will accompany them. In 1900, Anthony H. Lund said, quote, 
These gifts, which the book mentions, should be found in the church. My testimony to you is that they are found in the church. Talking in tongues has been very common in the church. Nearly all of the members have have at some time or another heard of this gift, as well as the interpretation of tongues. Some may say, how can we judge whether this is a true tongue or not? You can judge by the Holy Spirit whether it is prompted by that Spirit or not. There have been at times when the proof of the tongue spoken has been overwhelming. When President Peterson of the San Pete Stake was a young man, he attended a meeting in Illinois. There were many present, and the Spirit of the Lord was poured out upon the saints in great measure. He felt urged by the Spirit to talk in tongues. When he sat down, a young girl arose and interpreted it. She was about 17 years of age, perhaps younger, and she interpreted what Brother Peterson had spoken. Some of the brethren there in good standing who who afterwards left the church were told that if they did not take heed, they would apostatize, and that the balance of the branch should immigrate to the west and travel in wagons like houses across large plains. This was the interpretation of the tongue. They did not then know that there would come a time when they should travel in covered wagons and go to the west. But a remarkable thing happened at that meeting. Two young girls that had been stolen while children by the Indians and had been brought back by the government were present. They heard Brother Peterson speak in tongues, and they declared that he spoke in the Indian tongue, which they had heard before. And they understood most of it, although they said he spoke it better than they ever heard the chief speak it. And the young girls, they said, had translated what they understood correctly. This is a great testimony of the truth of that gift. And many other instances could be mentioned showing that this gift is in the church. The gift of prophecy we know is in the church. How many of our prophecies of the, our beloved prophet Joseph Smith have not been fulfilled to the very letter? You take the book of the Doctrine and Covenants and you will find there are many prophecies that have been fulfilled already and many relating to time yet to come which we believe will be fulfilled just as literally as, as have those that have already been fulfilled. Let me hear, let me read a few words of a revelation given March 1831, some 11 months after the church was organized, and talking about what should come to pass. The Lord revealed to Joseph Smith, quote, But before the great day of the Lord shall come, Jacob shall flourish in the wilderness, and the Lamanite shall blossom as the rose. Zion shall flourish upon the hills and rejoice upon the mountains, and shall be assembled together unto the place which I have appointed. This was many years before the Latter-day Saints were driven from the states, and it talks in such plain terms concerning the gathering. The gathering is a unique principle in this church, one that is not found in other churches. 
It is referred to in the Book of Mormon and in the early revelations to the church. It is given to the people in great plainness. We are told in some of the revelations that the people should be gathered from all nations into this land, which should be called the land of Zion. When we now read about this, it may not seem so remarkable, but let us put ourselves back to the time when the church numbered but a few members and was hardly known outside of a few counties. And remember that when the Lord told the prophet that the work should be known in other lands and that the people should be gathered from all nations and, and it becomes indeed marvelous to us, gradually our missionaries are reaching the different nations of the earth, if not yet from every nation. Our missionaries are going in faith and proclaiming the truth that they are reaching that they are reaching one people after another. Nearly every nation in Europe has had the gospel offered to them. I was reading a letter last night which Brother Hintz had received from Athens, Greece, a country where we have not yet done much missionary labor. Brother Hintz went there and preach the gospel and the seed is sown and, and is germinating and they want to be informed concerning the truth certain principles have struck them as true others they do not understand yet in the Dono principalities we have a man laboring who has already baptized several persons and it will not be long before it can be said that all nations in Europe have been informed concerning the gospel and the myriads in Asia and Africa will yet have to hear the gospel. The Lord is, in his marvelous way, preparing a way for the gospel to be taught to men. I rejoice in contemplating the dealings of the Lord with this work of his, and my testimony to you is that God has established this work, and that he will see that it shall triumph in the earth. God bless you all. Amen. Conference Report, April 1900, pages 32 through 34. When God wishes to convey a message to people with a different language, he gives his servants the power to convey that information without wasting their time in language school. God caused the division of languages so he can cause them to be mended as well. God's bestowal of a particular spiritual gift to his chosen people is pr predicated upon the mission or work that needs to be accomplished at the time. So that is the end of that chapter. Uh, when we come back on for the next chapter, we'll be starting on page 39, which is chapter 6, and it'll be the restoration of the gift. So... So thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, the guest call-in lines are open now, and the chat room is also open at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. We go live Monday through Friday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, and the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827.
Okay, so I am currently at the shop. My truck is broke down. Can't get the belly dump gates to open. And uh, my wife is currently with me at the shop, so she can't read. Um, so I don't see anybody in the call call room. And uh, there's nobody chatting in the chat room. So I think we're just going to end the program for today. Uh I've already got um, the program for tomorrow set up, so it'll be ready to go by 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And uh, well, sometimes things happen. So anyway, uh, there is a uh, a Zoom call tonight. If you go over to the doctrineofchrist.com and click on uh, Join Meeting and then go down to Tuesday Night Meeting, we're going to have a... Uh, LBS Seminary Institute teacher uh, talking about the doctrine of Christ. So that should be interesting. You can find the information for that at doctrineofchrist.com and or by joining the Facebook group Doctrine of Christ on Facebook. So anyway, uh, plug that. Hopefully I'll be able to listen to that meeting tonight and uh, I'll probably be on. So there'll be a presentation and then they'll take questions and comments and usually on the Monday night meetings, there's about 100 people that listen, that join into the call. And we have plenty of people who talk on that specific uh, meeting. And uh, it usually isn't as much on Tuesday nights, but the meetings are really good on Tuesday nights. So I don't know why that less people would be on there, but uh, I would really just encourage people to uh, take a listen to that. Um, you know, I might not agree with everything that people say, but I don't agree with everything people say anyway. So, um, but there's a lot of really good stuff there. So let me see if there's anything that I can, uh, oh, I was going to say I can't upload to YouTube right now. I'm suspended for a week for getting a strike because, I was uploading one of the old radio programs and some guest call-in person was talking about vaccines and how horrible they are and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, so uh, when I uploaded that a couple of days ago, they suspended me because the guest caller talked about vaccines. So, and I appealed it and they said, well, it, it violates our community standards. So... Luckily, Blog Talk Radio doesn't do that to me, but Facebook does. So I might actually create a new YouTube channel because if I get two more strikes, then they will completely delete the whole channel. Yeah, and there are literally thousands of videos on that channel, and I don't want to lose them. So I probably won't be posting to my YouTube account anymore uh, until... I get a new YouTube account. So uh, I was thinking about calling it um, Red Pill Mormon. So that's what my, uh, uh, what do you call it? That's what my uh, TikTok is, Red Pill Mormon. So anyway, uh, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, we'll just be back on tomorrow at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time with another episode of Fundamentally Mormon on Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. God bless.
இங்க பாருங்க